Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cutrera Show. It's Wednesday, December 16th. Health Canada is suggesting that people with allergic reactions refer to the list of Pfizer ingredients before taking it. So coming up, we're going to talk to an allergist about what you need to know. And Chapman's ice cream is going to help with the vaccine deployment strategy. We'll talk with the VP of Chapman's to find out the skinny on that. But first, at the end of November, you might recall the Fed's fall fiscal update was released. And we learned that if you have been working from home, you could actually qualify for a new tax deduction this year. Uh, The CRA has finally released details of that tax deduction. So we welcome to the show Rabina Ahmed-Hawk, our 640 Toronto personal finance expert. Rabina, we have more details, so I thought we'd grab you and uh, get you to run these down for us if we could. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here to talk about that. So um, the the CRA has simplified the rules to qualify for the working from home eligible uh, tax deduction this year. Tell us how they've done that. Yeah, so they had announced that uh, Canadians who were working from home because of the pandemic would be able to claim up to $400 uh, without receipts. Uh, that's what came out in the fiscal update. But there wasn't very much details on who qualified and if you had more than $400 in expenses, what you could do. So now they're, they're giving us the, some, of the, some of the details of that. So that $400 still applies. Um, it's uh, for anyone that's been working from home 50% of the time during the pandemic. Uh, they're uh, saying that it's, you know, two, it's uh, calculated at $2 a day. But I think anyone that's been working from home uh, for the entire time would definitely qualify for that full $400 amount. And the great thing is, is you don't need to get any form from your employer and you don't need to save receipts. You just have to say, I spent about $400 uh, setting up my home office. Uh, the, the simplified forms that they came out with yesterday, uh, normally if you um, have a job where you have to take on some expenses uh, to do your job, uh, your employer gives you a T2200. So they've come up with an, a simpler form called the T2200S Um, And it specifically says for those people who have been incurring expenses because of COVID-19. So if your expenses are more than 400, then you can use that that simplified shorter form of the T2200. But you got to keep your receipts if you're going to use that one. So the T2200S, the S stands for simplified? It stands for short. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, Let's talk about, you were talking about uh, how if you usually claim deductions uh, based on working from home, um, that they've simplified things. I understand that if you decide that you are going to uh, claim this $400 taxable benefit, you can't claim your vehicle expenses. Yeah, so it's very specific. I mean, it's for things like uh, pens and paper. I believe that you can Who uses claim... paper? Well, some people do, Kelly. Some I'm, I'm looking at a piece of paper that I wrote notes down on for this conversation. So I use paper. Okay. So I may have some claims, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just being silly. But, um, you know, people do, you know, high no, level. Chris um, held up a, a, a piece of uh, paper, in fact, a notepad as soon as you said that and looked at me shaking it in the air. Right. Um, it also includes things uh, that you, you might you could um, write off a little bit of your rent, maybe extra electricity costs. Uh, you can also if you had overage fees on your cell phone, you can write that off. Uh, but you can't, you know, as a self-employed person, which I am, I can write off a portion of my mortgage interest. I can write off, you know, uh, a portion of the furniture that I buy if it's for my home office use. I can have capital expenses. So I have to fix a window in my office. I can write that off. Those do not not apply to the $400 flat rate. So it is very much for, you know, simple things that you would have to buy, you know, uh, lights to make your Zoom calls look beautiful. All those things would would qualify. Um, oh, I they would. would. Re- 
Yeah, I would recommend that you go to the CRA website and really look at um, you know what what would qualify, what wouldn't. But they're not asking for receipts for the four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So it really is honor system. So you just have to say, I had some expenses during the pandemic because I was working from home. Well, you know, one of the things that I had to buy was an office chair, and I think a lot of people did. And that's something we were talking about before with this write-off. You're not technically allowed to write off. I mean, as you say, they're not going to dig too deep because there's no receipts that they're asking for. It's on the honor system. But I was a bit shocked that an office chair wouldn't qualify because, you know, ergonomically, we need them. And you don't certainly don't want to mess up your back, and then that comes out of the healthcare budget. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with the the first part of that. I mean, you do need an office chair to uh, to do your work. I know that when uh, the pandemic was first declared, I had to set up my husband's home office, or we had to set it up, uh, make room in my office for it, and we went to Canadian Tire, and everything was sold out. Mm-hmm. Went online, everything was sold out. So there was a lot of people who were purchasing, you know, basic office equipment to set up their their set up their outfit at home. Um, because they only had their kitchen table at that point. So they didn't want to work from there. And I agree. You don't want to work from your kitchen table. It's not the most productive way to get your day, um, to, to, to move through your day. Okay. Yesterday we were talking about the CRA, though, and how they were asking people that um, should not have qualified for the CERB to pay it back. Now, the reason why I'm asking you this is they had misinformation out on their website. There was conflicting reports. If you decide that you're going to say, okay, well, I did spend some money on an office chair. It wasn't ergonomically correct or anything, but it was like 120 bucks, and it was legitimately so I could work. And technically, you're not supposed to claim that. Do you have to worry about them coming back and, and, and changing the rules later, asking so you for I, proof? Yeah, so the CRA n- normally doesn't retroactively change rules because I think that would be highly unfair for the people who are filing. So, so far, the $400, $400 flat tax deduction is not requiring receipts. So I will stay, stand behind that, that they're not requiring receipts and they're giving you a list of things that you can claim. And so if you fall into that, you can claim it. Um, and some of the things, you know, you may not be able to even prove, like how much extra electricity you used. They're just sure. assuming that you have extra costs because you've been at home. And so um, I would think that the majority of people who have been working from home are going to take advantage of at least this one. Uh, you have to also remember, you can only do one. You can either do the flat rate, the $400, or you can do the T2200S or the T2200, which is what's been available from before the pandemic. You can't apply for two or three. You got to just choose which situation reflects you and then go that route. Okay, so say you have, uh, let's just take myself for example, I've been told I have to work from home, but I also have, um, uh, you know, a business and I also, you know, do some auditioning from home and sometimes voice some things from home. So I can claim my rent uh, on that, you know, on a portion of my house where I would do my work. Now, if it's in a separate room, can I still claim the 400 bucks? Um, so this $400 is specifically for people who have been working from home because their job was normally in an office and because of the pandemic, they had to go home and work that way. Your expenses sound more like a self-employed person who does other gig work on the side. So you would have to speak to your accountant about how, how you would claim for that portion of your income and this portion of your income. And if you are allowed to make, because you would just have regular expenses. So if you're an actor and you're self-employed, 
and your you would have regular expenses that you incur um, that you that you you know you write off every mm-hmm. single year. I had to take uh, voice classes. I had to take. Uh, I had to get my hair done for the special role I was doing. So all of that stuff is, is, is you know, in an acting world is is an expense that an actor has to incur because they have to do their job. But they're really talking about people who were in an office now sent home. But now if you have a side gig, that is a different story. And I, I, I don't have any advice for those people. My best advice is that you speak to a, 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 a tax specialist, an accountant, to see if you are able to um, treat those two differently. Now, in the case of people working from home because of the pandemic, more than one person living in the same address can also claim the deduction, right? Because there's a lot of people where both people were sent home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every individual, it's an individual, your individual tax filer, you have your individual tax expenses. So absolutely, you could both claim that $400. They're not going to say, oh, one per household. That's not what the language says. It says, uh, you as an individual, did you have to go home, uh, because of the pandemic and start working that way? And what expenses did you have to, um, entail? All right. Rabina, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Kelly. All right. We received some good news that uh, by the end of the month, we should have Moderna vaccines here. Uh, uh, quite a few of them. I think 168,000 uh, doses of Moderna by the end of the month. Now, Health Canada still hasn't given it the thumbs up, but I'm guessing that's going to come any day now if we're already getting the vaccine shipment dates uh, uh, clarified um, as to when they will arrive. Um, Health Canada is suggesting people with allergic reactions refer to the list of Pfizer ingredients before they take it. This is after a couple of uh, healthcare professionals that received the Pfizer vaccines in the UK had some severe allergic reactions. Now, they were people that already suffered from severe allergic reactions, so much so that they carried an EpiPen, EpiPen with them wherever they went. But Dr. Zainab Abdurrahman joins the show right now, clinical immunologist and allergist to talk about this. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really want to make sure that, you know, we quell people's fears when it comes to taking this vaccine. So what Health Canada is suggesting is that you take a look at the list of ingredients in the Pfizer vaccine. They've released it out there to the world and see if you have any that you are allergic to. So is there a particular ingredient that you can see in the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine that would be cause for um, a bit of concern? So when you look at it, I know most people um, have a hard time, I think, managing reading this list. But in terms of all the different components listed, only one of them has been associated with allergic reactions in the past. And that's the polyethylene glycol, which is included in that ALC-0159 um, and that's been shown to rarely cause allergies. Um, and those who do have it are often known to their allergist from before. Um, but it's not a common cause of allergy, but that is the one component that has been associated with allergic reactions in the past. So the is polyethylene glycol, is it uh, a component of most vaccines? Or where would you find that if we know that people, some people have an allergic reaction to it? Yes, so actually very few people have allergic reactions to it, and it's not actually commonly found in vaccines. Um, I was actually reviewing a lot of our past ones because it's not something that I come across from a vaccine allergy standpoint. It's not in the previous ones, but it is actually in very common medications and um, common forms of dual softeners and laxatives that are used for occasional constipation and for bowel preps before something like a colonoscopy or a procedure. So people are exposed to it, not infrequently, in terms of other exposures in their day-to-day life. 
um, but it's not commonly actually found in vaccines. So if you have a pol- an allergy to polyethanol uh, glycol, then this is a, a vaccine you should avoid. What about food allergies? I, I know that we heard that these uh, these medical workers, frontline workers in the UK had uh, anaphylactic reactions. So I know that anaphylactic shock can accompany, you know, shellfish, egg, mm-hmm. uh, chicken allergies. Yes, so um, absolutely. You can have anaphylaxis with food allergy, but you can also have it with medication allergies and with allergies to polyethylene glycol as well. In terms of it, when you look at this ingredient list, I think it's important for people to realize what's not in the list. So what's not in the list is foods. So this, um, this vaccine does not contain things like shellfish, egg, milk, all these things that cause you food allergies are not included. They're not a component of this. So if you have a food allergy, you don't have to be concerned about this vaccine. Similarly, other things that are not in this vaccine, there's no antibiotics. So if you have a history of, you know, penicillin allergy um, or anaphylaxis to penicillin, you shouldn't have to be worried as much here. Similarly, there's no venom. That's another type of allergy where you have a stinging insect allergy where you often do have to carry an EpiPen. Those are not included here. And then mm-hmm. our common environmental allergens are also not included here. So these are things that are not inside this vaccine. It's mainly the only one that we know that has been associated really has been that one polyethylene glycol. And that can cause allergy, but it's extremely rare form of allergy. When you talk about antibiotic reactions, are you also including sulfa drugs? Um, yeah, so actually, you know what, sulfa drugs um, are also... Um, can can cause um, reactions. We actually don't see a ton of anaphylaxis with them. They cause a bit more um, chronic kind of skin issues, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but even included with that, so people who have polyethylene glycol issues will have um, a lot of different um, people technically involved in their care because it, you know they've often seen an allergist, they've been identified. So it's not something that's hiding because we actually have exposures. It's in a lot of common medications, common facial creams, and like I mentioned, the stool softeners and laxatives, they're just over the counter. So So you'd probably already be aware of your allergy. Absolutely, because it's something that's quite commonly encountered. So those patients are known and they're known to their allergists. So they've had um, kind of discussions about this. And so if you have a history of polyethylene glycol allergy, that is something that you want to make people aware of with this vaccine and to know that there are future vaccines also coming out and not all of them will have this component because not all of them are made the same way. Right. Now, Doctor, Health Canada is urging individuals who've experienced a serious uh, allergic reaction to another vaccine, drug or food to speak with healthcare professionals before they receive the vaccine. Well, why would that be if there's no food proteins on the list of ingredients here when it comes to the Pfizer vaccine? You know, when we put out a general statement, um, we put it out with an abundance of caution. Um, Sometimes there are people who are currently being investigated where um, perhaps it's it's not totally clear what their anaphylaxis is to. um, And maybe they are carrying an EpiPen, but they're still being investigated. And maybe they've found a food, but they're also still being investigated. So I think it's to be cautious and to maybe just touch base with um, their physician if they have concerns, and also to direct them to someone who's involved with their care, who's a trusted individual who can help them navigate this. Because some people look at this list and they're not sure, right? So mm-hmm. some, of them, some of the words just seem like Latin. So I think it's just to kind of encourage people to have a discussion with a trusted healthcare provider who can help reassure them, to be honest.
Dr. Abdurman, you've been incredibly helpful with this. Thank you so much for joining us and sparing some time today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yesterday, we were talking about the outrage that uh, Doug Ford's tweet about Kawartha dairy ice cream caused over the weekend. Now, this is a, a, a companionship that I think a lot of people would uh, agree is well suited. It's Chapman's ice cream and um, in the vaccine rollout here to talk about it. We are joined by the um, vice president of Chapman's Ice Cream, Ashley Chapman. Ashley, forgive me for being a little bit distracted. I was just on your website to talk about your delicious flavors, and I was completely distracted by one of them that I have never tried and yet have to, the chocolate with salty caramel and peanuts ice cream. Holy, blow my mind. That sounds like it's right. Sounds like you made it for me. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe we did. You got to try it. Man, I think I know what I'm going to get when I order my groceries this week. Let's talk about what's going on. Um, one of the biggest challenges of this Pfizer vaccine deployment across Canada is the logistics of the cold chain. They have to keep it at minus 70, and that's a big challenge. So apparently the Gray Bruce Health Unit and your company, Chapman's Ice Cream, have been talking about storing the vaccine for them. Can you tell us who reached out to who? Uh, well, I guess I'm not really sure. Sure. Um, pretty much, I just uh, was paying attention to what was going on. We've, uh, I think, you know, the world has been collectively holding its breath for a vaccine for a very long time. And uh, as soon as I saw that Pfizer was most likely the uh, the front runner out of all of the uh, the vaccines get distributed first. Uh, we just got on the phone and started calling up our um, suppliers, trying to find some uh, super low temperature freezers. Oh, really? Oh. So these are not freezers that you would normally use. So you actually decided to invest in this vaccine and invest in public health. Oh, absolutely. There was wow. no, there's no hesitation. Like uh, whether it's uh, Dr. Era at our medical, uh, our medical authority in this region or anywhere else in Canada, there's a certain amount of bureaucracy that goes along with these things. Uh, they have to budget for it. They have to put in requisition forms. So I said, screw that. I'm just going to get a couple of these units. Uh, one to store the vaccines and another one as um, as a backup in case of a, a failure because, well, obviously these vaccines are very uh, valuable. And I'm just going to get them here because everybody else in the world is going to be looking for these freezers. Wow. Good for you. So how many you've managed to secure two freezers? When do they arrive? Uh, they should be here. Uh, they should be in Canada by the end of this week, uh, maybe uh, maybe early next week. And then, of course, they'll have to go through um, uh, customs and all that. Uh, but, yeah, they are they are on their way. Wow, that is that's impressive and admirable that you would take the opportunity to secure those on behalf of uh, the people in in the province. Let's talk about these ultra cold freezers. How cold can they get? Uh, they can actually get down to about minus 80 uh, okay. degrees Celsius. Um, and, uh, yeah, we really don't know. <laughs> How big are they? Uh, this, might, this might sound funny, but we don't really have much of a plan. Uh, okay. They're, they're, they're about the size of um, a large stand-up. Uh, a freezer that you would have in your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know where they're going to be uh, kept. We don't know anything. We just knew um, that we better get on this fast uh, because they would be selling out um, very quickly, and they did. Well, excellent. Um, so after you store the vaccine uh, for the province and, and uh, help out with public health, 
could you use these in your own ice cream making? Like, what would they, how would you be able to reuse these in a practical well, manner? Uh, actually, what, what my plan was is very simply, um, my parents have always believed uh, in, in helping out our community as much as possible. So we have been uh, part of the uh, pandemic uh, plan for probably 30 years with, uh, with all of our cold storages. Um, so probably I will drain them uh, from the refrigerant and I will store both of these freezers after um, after everything is said and done because I, I just I just think it's a responsible thing to be ready for the next one, even if that's 20 wow. years in the future. We'll see. I don't know about you, but I think that Doug Ford better rethink his favorite ice cream uh, company. Chapman's Ice Cream should be Number one, tippity top of the list. You're doing such a great thing, Ashley. It's a pleasure talking to you, and thanks so much for highlighting how important it is for all of us to do our part. Absolutely. Thank you for the uh, call. Have a fantastic afternoon, and I gotta try that ice cream flavor. Holy moly. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Really appreciate your time today. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you download your favorite podcasts, and we'll be waiting for you on a daily basis. Uh, Speaking of a daily basis, we broadcast between 9 and noon, Monday through Friday on 640 Toronto. If you have some time, join us. Have a great day.